one. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Pit Pass and uh, Absurd After Party. Denny Stevenson, Scott Casper with you. It is a Justin Brayton weekend. Got some great guys on uh, on the dais right now. Damon Bradshaw, Justin Brayton, obviously. Chad Swamp-Pedersen. Cody Gilmore is in and out. Matt Byton is here on the weekend doing some jump. He actually jumped over the tent that Tony had set up for the uh, after party, which I thought was pretty cool. Mark Bunnell is our host here at Pole Position Raceway in Grimes, Iowa. Big shout out to my buddy Tony Wink. I know he's put a lot into the weekend, but we were greeted with rain and a lot of clouds and a lot of wet. So uh, we'll get right back to it. When we um, when we left, we were talking a little bit with uh, with Swap about his his personal experiences and his experiences as a racer, but also how disappointed you can be as a racer when your contract gets canceled because of one thing or another. Um, how, did, how does a guy like you settle down? I've known you a lot of years. How does a guy like you settle down and realize that it is just business at that point? Well, yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I've never, I mean, I was just bummed because I was really looking forward to a good year, which I, I, I have every year. And it just seems like something stupid would, would always happen. You know, I'd break my femur or I'd break my arm. I think we can all agree it's a vicious, cruel mistress of a sport. Oh, yeah. I mean, it will rip your heart out. And, and like you said, at the Nationals coming home, you were, the Nationals are so gnarly. And so, like, you just better be prepared for three months of pain. You know, win or lose. And I know I've seen Damon just pin Chad after the races, you know. And you said you came home after a race, you know, called your wife or girlfriend at you know, four or five, and we're like in tears. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It is, it is breaking me. Yeah. Well, that, that did happen to me. So it was like 88. 88, which is weird because I, I didn't do the the whole after Loretta's thing and go to a national. What was your last year at Loretta's? 88. 88. Mine well, too. 89. Do you win both classes? 88, I did. 88, did. What class? But that was 125 like, A and 2D? Yeah. But it's like after 88, I didn't, I didn't, I waited to go to California to race out there with Diamond and all those guys. The Golden State. Golden State. Yep. And I could you imagine that now today, like all those, just all, all the factory guys, everybody going racing. It's crazy. And just an off Boy, race. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think Damon was, yeah, it was a transcal. Yeah, it was yeah, a transcal. That and did um, the winter end, which I like the winter end better. I like going to Florida better. I didn't imagine, but had to Plus go to California, you had to chase the competition. So, Chad, when you were a double class winner at Loretta's, did you already have a factory ride going into the pros then? Because um, now, if you win double, if you win two championships. And then you turn pro. It's like you've got here's you got the Horizon Award. Grand, yeah, you got, you know you got everything. Did you have a factory ride then, or did you just go to California on your own? Um, I I went to California on my own. Really? And it's like I I don't know. I I took off that first 250 moto, and Diamond was behind me the whole freaking time. He passed me last lap, and I'm like, Man. what track was it? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. Sandy. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, I fell. And I hurt my arm, and I'm like, I'm done for the day. I'm not, I'm not gonna ride. Well, Mark Easley comes up. He goes, Dude, you're oh, killing man, it. Easley, <laughs> you're killing it. Man. You cannot. You have to ride. And I'm like, No, dude, I'm, I'm hurt. No, you, you have to ride. And I'm like, oh, All right. You sound like Justin Hill. And it's like, they had a, that 90 foot tabletop there, <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I hit the face of that. My arm gave out, and like, just helicopter ride to the. 
Can we admit that Mark Easley was a terrible hey, influence? He was a terrible <laughs> influence. Who's Mark Easley? Uh, he was, he was uh, a funny story, which is a little, maybe a little inappropriate, but I don't care. <laughs> Mark Easley was a Suzuki mechanic uh, when Budman and, and, and Swap rode for Suzuki Arena Cross with yep. Billy Whitley. Um, I'm not really sure the possible year that would have been, what, 99 maybe? 99. 99. I was riding uh, last year with Tough. And we after the, every after every arena cross in Dallas Fort Worth, it was around. Uh, well, we'd stay a Sunday and go to the men's club, a favorite uh, dancing <laughs> studio. <laughs> and we'd go there real early during the day, and uh, and we'd eat lunch and we'd watch football and watch eat dinner. And uh, Easley and Swap were there with all of us, and just decided they wanted to leave, so they just took the rental car, took Bud's bags, took left us all there, just went to the airport, said, "I'm we're done." That's not exactly the story, but we're doing a little editing. <laughs> but, but I think Easley was soon soon fired. Yep. Yep. Because of that editing, and uh, so it's just a minute. Well, it's a good good call that uh, those two times you listened to him. Yeah. Uh -huh. Perfect. I, that's so funny. I didn't even know that about that. <laughs> the Adelanto yeah. deal. I, I remember that uh, that weekend in Dallas. Highly recommend that place. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But yeah, no, there's like, yeah, I got done with that, and and um, so then I came back in '89. And I didn't really care to ride a motorcycle too much because it hurt me. So, <laughs> kind of like you now. Yeah, I hate those things. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I think the dirt bikes are the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> but yeah, 89, and then uh, I just didn't perform. So, what was your first, like was. Was your first ride then going for nationals? Uh, my first one was like Binghamton. But what was your first uh, sponsorship? Like, uh, What was your first contract you got a salary? Yamaha. Yamaha. I was was DGY? Nope, I was with Factory Yamaha as a support writer with Damon. Oh, yeah. And I I floundered so freaking bad, it was pathetic. Did you have to test and ride practice with him? Yep. God, that had to be demoralizing. It was. It was, it was horrible. It, it, was was like, very, it was very similar to all the laps that he was talking about with Pro Circuit. And it was the same way that Yamaha was the testingest company at the time by far. I mean, shocks and pipes and you, you just lost contact with any of them. It was like, well, what was good? Well, I don't know. I yeah, I've lost, I lost that an hour yeah. ago. What, what did my notes say? Yeah, it's 5 o'clock. I've been riding since 8.30, and they want you to do just one, one more. Just one more. That was John R.'s famous words. And you can't believe those guys. I think, is John R. still there, or did he retire? No, he retired. Keith's yeah. still there, though, right? Uh, Keith is, yeah. That's, it was funny, because 16 or 17, I went to San Diego Supercross, and there were guys underneath that tent that were – at Yamaha when I was there and started right in the 80s. And they're still there. Still there. Like Bob, Ron Heben was back. Yeah. And, you know, Bob Oliver just retired. Just retired, but yeah. That's, it's insane. That we, we talk about, I think, it's we, something we never talk about. It. In, in ball sports, when, the, when a team fails, you, you get rid of a few of the players, you get a few of the coaches, and eventually you get rid of the GM. You know, because who's responsible for all this garbage that the team's producing? Motocross never happens that way. Riders are always a problem. Yeah. Bikes are never the problem. Coaches are never the problem. The GMs, I mean, the same four brands have had almost the same team manager for the last, you know, 25, 35 years. Never thought about it that way. Before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why isn't why isn't they they take a little bit internal look instead of blaming all these riders and looking for the next best thing? Because that's another thing we talked about is that how cruel the sport is. Is if you miss a few rounds, there's obviously a kid right behind you that's going to try and it's going to do better. And just because you had a few bad motos or even a bad, you're only, again you're only as good as your last race. Well, yeah. it's like I just felt like, you know. I was always on the chopping block. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, it's like, and it's like, I get injured and it's like, see ya. 
Do you think kids today are too coddled coming in with these factory rides and having Star already given their kids these amateur kids factory bikes and like what do they got to work for? Yeah, yeah, I think that's crazy when these kids get. I mean, you were you were just an angry bastard, so you didn't really nothing mattered to you. You know, a lot of these kids don't ever have that fire. I mean, that's what I've always loved and respected about you is that that fire. I think it makes these guys soft. For you, it just made you want to just kill and destroy. Yeah, I mean, again, it just was. That's what motivated me. You know, everybody um, is different, but. You, you were talking about you know being blindsided kind of by a contract thing that happened to me in 96 at yamaha you know i came back and keith had told me that um, <clears throat> my contract was going to be renewed and i didn't really have any bargaining power i couldn't say you know i wanted more money or whatever and i got results weren't that good and in in 96 i was going to sign for 97 and uh after washugal had best ride of the year um, Monday morning, he called me and said that they decided not to renew my contract. And basically, he had said that all we have to do is get the paperwork done and we'll be ready to sign. So I thought I was in. And Monday morning, nope, you're not. And it's like, wow. I that did. I just rode my best. Yeah, that had never happened to me. And so it was, um, I was really mad for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. First phone call was I called Bob Hannes and uh, told him what had happened and what I was thinking about. and kind of gave me some advice and then the next phone call was Jim Hill. We had a team like Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. And it was one of my funnest years uh racing. Because you did it because you wanted at that point. The pressure was off. Like I just wanted to yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Jim's like, you know, I don't really care how we do. I'm just glad we're here. Right. And I did. I had a lot of fun. Fellas, uh up against the clock, top of the hour break, and then uh, back for hour number two. But um when we come back, I'd like to have each of you give us your opinion on the state of the industry now, because there have been some leadership changes. Most notably, uh, we've seen the rise of KTM. Husqvarna is uh, is rising again. Honda's holding its own. Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, the brands that we've known to really rule the roost in racing. Things are changing a little bit. I'd like each of you to offer your opinion when we come back, if you would, please. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, along with our buddies from Absurd After Party, Debo's edition of that, Denny Stevenson, Scott Casper with you. Shout out to Mark Bennell, Pole Position Raceway, where we are on this particular rainy day. We appreciate Mark opening up his facility for us and for fellow race fans. So with that, we'll send it back uh, to the studio and to break. We'll be back. Our number two is coming. Stay tuned. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 